I honestly don't have an aspiration of doing like 200 million or 300 million dollar, but I wanted to keep a business that was thin, so I had not a lot of cost involved. I hated the thought that I have to go train somebody. I'm going to train them and they're going to move somewhere else. And then I have to train somebody new. And I'm always chasing how to keep that person. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Racky Madan. Racky is a mortgage broker based in the GTA. And last year, she did $101 million with no assistant. I know you're going to be like, Scott, how's this even freaking possible? It's a fantastic conversation I had with Racky. And she's just so laid back. She actually started out when she moved to Canada. Originally, she was working at KFC. So she worked at KFC for a month and started working in an IT company and then got into the mortgage business and obviously has done really well with it. She's been eight years as a mortgage broker and funding $101 million, which is an impressive number, regardless of how long you've been in the mortgage business. I've really just enjoyed this conversation with her. Very inspiring. And it really reminded me that, you know, there are multiple paths to success in the mortgage business. There's not just one way to be a mortgage broker. Yeah, there's some paths that are a little bit more well-worn and more more people follow and it does work. And then you got Racky, who has a completely different path and model. And it's absolutely astounding what she's done with it. It's a very inspiring conversation. And and interestingly enough, I you know, we had a conversation after the podcast where I had heard about her. She came on my radar. So usually sometimes people reach out to me and say, hey, Scott, can I come on your show? But what's better is when somebody's making so many waves that I've been hearing about them. And then somebody says, you need to talk to, to Racky. And that's what happened with her. So anyways, check out this episode. I think you're really going to dig it. Really enjoyed my conversation. Get inspired about what's possible. Hey, Racky, welcome to the show. Thanks, Scott, for having me. So I'm excited to have a conversation with you. You kind of came under my radar because I had heard great things about you. You're doing massive numbers with practically no help, which is insane to me. We'll get to that in a second. But before we get into that, though, tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get into the mortgage business? Yeah, absolutely. So I came to Canada in 2004 with a three-year-old and my husband. Being a new immigrant, we wanted to just get ourselves settled. I actually, believe it or not, I worked for a month in KFC. My background is I've done my master's in computer application. I started looking for a corporate job, landed into a like a corporate job, started with literally 15 bucks an hour, stayed in that company for about six years, and left that company pretty much running the company in like six years and doubling their revenue. Right. Do you still eat at KFC? Will you have a bucket of chicken once in a while or no more since you work there? I've seen how they make it. No more of KFC anymore. No more KFC. Okay, so I wasn't sure. I'm going to Popeye's. You go to Popeye's chicken. Okay, this is good. So listeners, if you're listening to this, go check out Popeye's. Okay, so how did you go from the tech business into what made you decide to be a mortgage broker? Because most people don't go, hey, I want to be like, they don't even know it's a career. So how did you get here? Good question. It's a funny story. So obviously, I was making a lot of money in my IT. I was called the professional services manager for the company and um, I was making huge number. Actually, I, when I decided to leave the company is simply because I asked the owner for stake in the company. I was literally doing everything while he was retired in Arizona. And he said, no, we'll revisit it in a couple of years. And I was like, it's today or never. And I decided to leave it. And I was struggling on either going, finding another job, starting my own IT company or getting into different ideas. And uh, my husband turns around and says, well, you're really good with numbers. You should be a mortgage broker. And I'm like, this was your husband's fault. 
that's my husband's fault. And my first reaction was, do they even make money? Like, that's where I stopped. I'm like, how do you make what I made in a job being a mortgage broker? It's just not possible. Right. And he goes, you should explore. And okay, because like, you kind of, we talked about this before we got on. I know you were making really good money at this IT company. So who did you talk to to find out that the mortgage business was actually, could be good? So I actually got my license and I think I went to 20 offices. One of that office was actually a home life office that had a phantom office in there. And I still remember that evening when I came back from there. And again, I was a numbers person. You know, they had like 10 or 15 agents in that office where you were as an agent supposed to give a kickback to the realtor who sends you business. And collectively, they were doing $50 million. Between 10 to 15 people. Right. And I come back home and I crunch all the numbers and I'm like, well, this is less than what I made in my job. (laughs) Right. So that was really disheartening. And I was almost like, this is not going to work out. And I reached out to uh, DLC head office. I actually went to one office in Mississauga. It was a DLC office. I walked out. That office, without taking names, was going to put me under somebody who was doing $8 million production to train me on how to do business. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I was coming from a portfolio of managing clients like MGM, White House. These were my customers when I was doing my IT business and I was Mm -hmm. coaching and training like 25 people. So I come out of this office and say, well, this guy is making $80,000 and he's going to train me on how to do this business. This does not make sense to me. All disheartened, I call uh, DLC head office. Chad Gregory picks up my phone and we have this conversation. I give him a little background. I told him what I made. I gave him all the Mm -hmm. nitty gritty of what my past was. And he goes, well, I think I have a fantastic office for you. And I say, yeah, what's the name? And he gives me the same office where I just walked out of a day before. And I was like, okay. And I go, Chad, let me repeat this again. (laughs) (laughs) I know Chad, yeah, that's hilarious. (laughs) It's amazing. So then he puts me in touch. He says, I think I know what you want. And he says, you need to go Google this guy, Don Stoddard, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. And that was my... You know, the point where I could do this, I sat across the table with him and I made sure I took my T4 with him in my first meeting. I put it across the table and I said, Don, this is what I made last year. And that's where it all started. Okay. So he showed you that, hey, no, you can make a really big money in the mortgage business. This is actually an interesting. I sent you some questions, but I may skip some of those and ask you some specifically about this. So how did you go from having somebody that makes $80,000 a year to try to train you to now doing $101 million last year? So how did you figure it out so quickly? I'm curious. So I think one of your questions probably that's going to come is what holds people back? And that's what we are getting into. So for me, I was never afraid of trying new things. And I knew if I'm going to try things, one is going to pay for everything else. So in the first year of my business, the first thing I needed to know is having conversation with people. And being able to be comfortably able to answer questions for people. So I went on a radio show, like a South Asian radio show. I would do a radio show for an hour. That was my first month in business. So you're literally a brand new mortgage agent and you're on a radio show talking about mortgages. Yeah. My phone would ring off the hook that day. And I would get comfortable talking to people about mortgages. Guess how many deals I did out of that radio show doing it three months? How many? Zero. Right. 
So that was still learning. You got conversation. So it wasn't a waste and you learned what didn't work. I guess there's a couple learnings there, right? Absolutely. So for me, that was probably the best investment I made in my business is being able to talk to people about mortgages and learning how to talk to them. Right. Okay. So then when did you find something that actually started working? So you tried the radio thing. When did something start to click and you're like, hey, I think I got this. I think the first couple of years were not that great. I hit seven, I think I was 7.5 million in my first year. In second year, I was still considering, should I go back to a full-time job after I saw what I made at the end of the year? So I think that was kind of where I didn't have exponential growth. I was at 10 million. But I think it was third year when I started doing some rate hub leads, some online lead generations. And I'm like, okay, I can convert people who are coming from web. That's my niche. I don't need to chase realtors. I don't need to chase accountants. I could convert a web lead into a real deal. So that's, I think, year three when I hit 20 million. And that's when I was like, I got this. I can do this. Right. So then if you don't mind me asking, what happened from 20 million? Where did you go from there? So from 20, I went to 35, Mm -hmm. to 50, to 65, to 75, to 101. Right. Eight years as a mortgage broker, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So eight years to 101 million. So we're talking about this before to your team. So 101 million, I think you said 175 loans. So like you must have a team. Like how many people do you have working for you? Okay. So I don't want you to fall off your chair, but I have nobody working for me. I have piece work. I have contractors working for me. So I have somebody who's taking care of my renewal anniversary card closing it. So that's one piece of my business. I have a web guy who takes care of my website and some social media posts and that. And I have somebody who does my closing packages and uh, my doc sorting. And that's another piece book. So I pay them by file. And they're actually another mortgage broker and they support other mortgage brokers. So they have like, I think she supports about eight other brokers. So and their role is just, you have no employee, you have no T4 employees. No. And was that by design or did that just kind of happen, do you think? It was by design. I honestly don't have an aspiration of doing like $200 million or $300 million, but I wanted to keep a business that was thin, so I had not a lot of cost involved. I hated the thought that I have to go train somebody. I'm going to train them and they're going to move somewhere else. And then I have to train somebody new. And I'm always chasing how to keep that person. So I needed a system that it was thin on cost. And now I'm considering, which probably I'll reach out to you, is hiring a, a sales staff, like a sales assistant. It's definitely something you can consider doing. So I want to talk about failure because obviously failure is something that happens to all entrepreneurs, but looking back, there's a lesson. So can you think of something that you failed at and then now, but looking back, there was a lesson in it? Oh, a bunch of things. I mean, you so, mentioned the radio thing, so that was kind of a, but it wasn't, there was like some learning in there, but is there anything yeah. else that you can think of as an example where you failed and then now you look back and go, wait a second, I actually learned some important stuff from that? Yes. Yeah, so I think I was, my web presence took off. If you Google best mortgage agent in Brampton, you'll see me number one. So my web presence for Brampton is very strong. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to scale in different region and I created a website called Halton Mortgage Team. And I thought I could get the same kind of results from that website. But what I learned is you can really focus on one thing properly at a time just because you replicate the same thing. Like I needed a new number. It was on Ring Central. It would come back to the line. I didn't invest so much blog writing on that. 
So I think if you put your energy in one place, that's more productive than trying to put it in different places. Okay. And so I just did a quick search of you while you're chatting. So you got 200 reviews. How important is it? How valuable is it to have 200 reviews for your market? I think where customers are today is on internet and they, you want to make sure that when they look you up, that they can recognize that you are trusted and right. nothing better to be trusted, if, especially if they're not getting referred from somebody, is to look at your Google. They're still going to look you up. Right. Even if they get referred, they're going to be like, okay, you talk to Raki. Okay, well, let me look her up. And oh, okay, 200 reviews. She probably knows what she's doing right? Yeah, exactly. So that's what you're going to think in your mind. So let's talk about your lead. So you said you did the online lead thing. Are you still doing that now? And, or if not, where's your business coming from? So I would say 50% of my business still gets originated from online leads. Like I mentioned to you, I'm always looking for new origination over renewal or refinances. So my business is more into high ratio, new origination for a tech savvy person per se. So that's, my niche. Mm-hmm. And the other 50% comes from past clients and client referrals, is that right? And some realtors that I deal with, yeah. And some realtors as well. Okay. In terms of systems, so how do you manage all this by yourself? So what technology stack are you using? What are you using for software? I'm just curious, like what is the pieces that allow you to do 175 loans? And you look like, I mean, people can't see because we're on a Zoom call, but you look pretty relaxed to me for somebody who did 175 <laughs> loans last year. I think I'd have no, my hair would be gray. And so... Tell me what kind of technology do you use to hold it all together? From technology perspective, I'm, you know, obviously we are paperless. Everything gets stored in the same fashion on one drive on secure portal. So that's really, really, really important to my business. Apart from that, the company I used to do my anniversary cards and stuff, they go through proprietary system of Boss to send my renewal cards. That's M3 system. Mm-hmm. And I personally don't use anything. Right. So, but what do you use for your submission platform and stuff? Phylogix. Okay. Phylogix. And how do you keep track of where all your files are at any given time? Like, how do you know like that Sally needs this and Bob needs that? Pretty much, uh, don't laugh, but I'm going to show you something. It's on my monthly planner. So that's it. Really simple. That's it. You have one of the most simple business models I've seen. So for the amount of production that you're doing. It's pretty insane. So let's talk about like in the last six to 12 months. So what's a major change or any change that you've made to sort of the lead side of your business in the last year that's been helpful? So lead side, from the lead perspective? Yeah, so from where you get your leads, have you made any changes in the last 12 months or tweaks that where your leads come from that's been helpful? So 2020, I really was hoping my phone would stop ringing. So I didn't change anything, but it was more like, I think pandemic will kind of, was the triggering point for a lot of customers to say, can I get a lower rate? Can I take out some money? And that kind of resulted in, I had no plans of doing $100 million in 2020. Like that was not planned on the agenda. Although that was my dream to get there one day, but it was not on the agenda. So when I write my yearly goals, I was like 2020, you know, 1 million. And I had like, I think 200 files to be funded because I didn't know my loan volume sizes will be this big, but it just happened. Right. Okay. And then what about if you change anything to your systems in the last year or any improvements that you've made? Yes. To be more efficient? So one of the things that I've implemented last year is I do not want to see one paper from somebody I do not pre-qualify on the phone. I do not want to meet. Obviously, nobody can meet anybody anymore. But I do not want to see even a single document from anybody that I cannot pre-qualify before on the phone. So go ahead. Okay. So yeah, my question is, is how long does it take you to pre-qualify somebody on the phone? 
I was talking minutes. to a coaching client and they were spending 30 minutes to an hour and then they realized they couldn't. I'm like, oh my gosh, don't spend an hour to find out that they... So you take five minutes, right? Three to five minutes, top. Right. But that's from knowing the questions to ask as well as you've got enough loans closed now that you're, it's like pattern recognition. You're like, hey, there's a deal here or there's not. And then you make a decision. So, okay, I'm a client. I talked to you for five minutes. It sounds like it's going to work. What's the next step for me as your client? What do you do? So every client is going to be really different. So I could be, okay, I think that there's a deal here, but I feel you're going to rate shop me. So I'm going to leave the ball in your court. So I'm going to say, hey, Scott, can you send me, fill out my application? And here's a checklist of documents I need. And this is what I'm thinking I can get you. And I'll just leave it on you to get back to me. So you don't chase okay. me? Never. Right. How many leads? So at 175 loans, do you know approximately how many leads a month you're getting? I would say that's like more than 500 leads a year. So Right. More than that, absolutely. But a lot of them, I'm spending two minutes on the phone. Yeah. So 50 leads, 40 to 50 leads a month, and you're spending two to three minutes. And the ones that go through, they do. And if they don't, okay, that's really interesting. All right. So I have some rapid fire questions I want to ask you. So what is the one thing that you think is holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? Fear of trying multiple things and being authentic to what works for them. Yeah, there's definitely multiple ways to build a mortgage business. Like there isn't just one model that works, right? So what's one habit you think that's made you successful? Actually, it's two habits. Can I take two? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, nothing, no, not one paper and email inbox zero. So, so do you get to inbox zero every day? Every single day. Okay, what program do you use for your email? It's Office 365 email, like the Outlook. Right. I don't remember the last time I was at Inbox Zero. So do you have an internet resource or software or program that you use that makes your business more? You mentioned, well, you use Outlook, you use Cloud, you use Phylogix, anything else you use to make your business successful? No. There's no other tools? Okay. You got your day planner with all your stuff in it? Well, if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? So it's going to be Compounding Effect. Oh, by Darren Hardy? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great book. Uh, I did his course on insane productivity. That changed my business. And compounding effect is like, I'll go back to that book in a heartbeat. And I'm not a big reader. Like I don't read a lot, but that's one book that I would read every month if I had to. If you had time, right. Okay, so let me ask you the last question. This is the, do you ever see the movie Back to the Future? Yes. Yeah, so there's the show with the guy who gets in the car and he travels back in time. So we could t- put you in that car and send you back eight years and you're sitting across from yourself and you're like, Racky, you need to do these three things. What would you tell yourself? So number one would be tracking all my closed deals with what rates they had, their address, phone number in an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah. No CRM in an Excel, like how Dustin and Jim does it. Like, yeah. absolutely, I should have done it. And I'm going back and starting that, like starting this year. And I'm mm-hmm. going to make sure that in 2021, I have all one. Excel. So number two would be having a separate business line where I could go and be okay not answering a call or a text if I choose to. I did make a mistake of having my cell phone number to all my clients because that's how I started my business. And number three would be quickly say no. Right. Say no quick. Yeah, quick. Right. And buy stock in Amazon and Apple, uh, and I, Tesla this year. Have you seen Tesla? I don't know if you watch stocks, but <laughs> Tesla is ridiculous. Okay. Is there anything else that I should have asked you? This was a great conversation, by the way. And I'm always inspired by people who you have your own path. Like you've carved your own path in the mortgage industry where you're like, okay, this is how I'm going to do my thing. So is there anything I should have asked you? 
No, you're right. Like I do have people saying, oh, you should go like join this brokerage or you should become a broker owner or you should become a hire people under you or you should bring full-time people. And no, that's not what I want to do. That's it. Like I want to do this and this is how I'm going to do this and that's it. And it's very important for people to not get influenced by what other people are doing. They have carved their own path. It doesn't mean you have to follow the same path. You've got to find out what you want to do. I don't have the headache of answering a phone from an agent. Like, by the way, I get a call from somebody who got licensed because I'm highly ranked on Google. Mm -hmm. They will call me if I can bring them on their team. And it's one simple answer. We don't bring anybody. Right. It's a quick no. It's just like you're just like those leads that don't go <laughs> yeah. anywhere. It's a quick no. This has been awesome. Okay. Yeah. Where can people find you online? They can find me just Google Rocky Median. Right. Okay. That's awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate your time and it's been great to get to know you a little bit. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it.